Hey guys, hey guys, brand new podcast. Um, this week's show in San Marcos, we have canceled the late show Saturday and we've moved it to Sunday. I'm not certain if I can make that announcement, but I want you, my fans that are listening, to know that due to curfew reasons, due to COVID, we have moved that late show Saturday to Sunday. We're now doing three nights, Thursday or Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So check your email, go to Facebook, go to Bands in Town, whatever you do to find out info, go to my website, burtburtburt.com. I just want to give you a heads up. That is the last date for the Hot Summer Nights tour. It is over. It is fucking over. It is over, and I came up with the best goddamn bit. I talk about it a little bit on this podcast, but, um, yeah, man, I'm, I, want, I want another glass of wine so badly. I just, I've been drinking wine. I didn't feel so hot today. I drank way too much coffee, way too much coffee. I did fucking so much time in front of the computer. I, I have some really great podcasts coming out. The one today is amazing. Let me rephrase that. Jesus Christ, Bert. Pat yourself on the back, why don't you? The one today you're going to love. I hope you're going to love. Um, this is with, uh, 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 they say Auntie Donna. A- Auntie Donna is how you'd say it. I'd say it. I find myself saying uh, Australian words the way they say them. I say it, you'll hear it at the very beginning of this. They'll, they're from Melbourne. That's how they say Melbourne. And you got to respect that. But I never wanted to be the... You'll hear me talk all about this. I don't know. What am I doing? I'm getting into this too much. They're a sketch comedy group, three-person group. Uh, and there's been more that's been in the group. But it's, they've got a new series on Netflix, Auntie Donna's Big Old House of Fun. Uh, I love sketch shows like this. Uh, we talk about this a little bit in the podcast. Do we have a read up front? Who is it? It's Kamikoto. Oh! Oh, my God. This podcast is brought to you by Kamikoto Knives. Kami Koto's got a new knife I just saw on Instagram. I'm sure I'm not, I'm not allowed to talk about it yet. That is so fucking badass. I just hit up all my reps. I was like, get me that. If you don't know what Kami Koto knife, knives are, they make great kitchen knives using traditional techniques. These are ultra sharp steak knives, heavy duty cleavers, three set, three set knife set. And, they, and they're great for fish. I use the big ones for fish. And the steak knives literally cut like butter. They are our steak knives. They, I think they come in a pack of four, maybe six. I bought another pack because I was like, I bought, by the way, I bought so many packs because what's great about these is these are seals sourced from Japan. So each blade is handcrafted using techniques that have been honed and perfected by generations of knifesmiths. And they are sharp as shit. I'm talking cut through a ribeye like butter. And they come in these. Heavy duty like ashwood box. You know what else they got? I think I got one right here. It comes with a whetstone, so you can sharpen them with a whetstone. We are giving these as gifts to all our friends this Christmas. It is such a great gift, and they are badass, dude. These are like twelve inch long knives. They look amazing. They feel amazing. Um, these are these are knives used by several chefs working at Michelin star restaurants. They make a great gift because, especially because of the box, and you can maintain the sharp edge. With your whetstone. They're so confident about their knives that each knife comes with a lifetime guarantee. Here is my call to action. If you go ahead and buy right now, Kamikoto is offering our listeners an extra $50 off site-wide on top of their biggest sale of the year. All you got to do is go to Kamikoto.com and use the promo code BERT for an extra $50 off. That's K-A-M-I-K-O-T-O.com slash BERT. That is Kamikoto.com slash BERT. 
All right, we have a few more reads in here. I am drunk. They will be off the hip, but thank you to all my sponsors. Thank you, thank you, thank you to all my sponsors. Did you see the Dave Chappelle thing today, Alston? I did. Amazing. They took it down. What? They took it off Netflix, right? No, they took. Oh, I thought they took his Instagram post down. Oh no, no, no. No, they took they, Netflix. Took man, Netflix is a bunch of fucking gangsters. That's why I, I love. You know, no one at Netflix set this up. This interview with the with the Auntie Donna guys. They just, it, it's its organic. Netflix is a badass fucking place to work. I am very grateful to have a show on Netflix and to have three specials on Netflix. That's so cool that they did that to Dave. It's, if you don't know, you should check out Dave Chappelle's Instagram. He does have an Instagram. It's got like, it had 1.2 million followers today. I'm sure it's got 5 million now. What's fascinating about Dave Chappelle as an artist is he is still, he's not doing traditional stand-up the, the way the way you would, I, I do it, I guess. Or maybe even Bill Burr does it or Tom Segura does it. He's doing it differently, but he's still using the mechanics of it. And that's what, and, and you know, in doing that, it's really kind of opening my eyes to things being differently. Look, I'm never going to be able to sit on stage and kind of talk like the way he does with a cigarette in hand. I would love to be able to do that. I would love to be able to do that. I would be long-winded and boring as fuck. I'm doing it right now. But my point is, uh, it's beautiful that he uses the mechanics. I did not know where that story was going until the end, 17 minutes. And it was fucking fascinating. It was, and, and by the way, I've, I've been thinking about that story the whole day. That whole day, I've been thinking of that story. It really makes you think. It really makes you grateful for podcasts. It makes you. I'm very grateful for you guys listening. I'm very grateful that you shared it. We talk about this on the podcast. I'm going to take a shot, man. Like I'm, I'm that emotional about this. Broden shares it. Uh, so it's Broden, Zach, and Mark are the are the the three guys on Auntie Donna. Broden shares this, and I, I just want to give me a second. Let me get a shot. Oh, a little Buffalo Trace. How's that sound, right? I don't know what's in this glass. So, so Broden says this to me in this podcast. Just pour that on the ground. It's water. What the fuck can that hurt? By the way, I kind of lost my thought now. Um, what's beautiful about what Chappelle did and when, and Broden brings this up to me I think it's, it is Broden that says it right is that you you listening to this right now built this podcast I did it and I, I shared it I put my I put everything into it and I those first fucking few years they were horrible but I shared it with you and I shared it hoping you'd like it. And a lot of people didn't, a lot of people were very frustrated at my interviewing skills. And, um, and I, I think I've gotten much better. I think I've gotten a lot better. I have not, I'm not the best interviewer by the way. And I'm not good with everyone. Like I can do a certain type of person. I can do artists. I can't really do like, I can't nothing, have nothing to talk to a politician or a scientist about maybe it's, I don't know. Well, maybe we'll try those, but I can talk to an artist. Cause as an artist, I'm curious about the growth of an artist. But what is beautiful is that you guys 
found this and you liked it. And then, and you're going to hear this in the podcast. And then that became a part of you. You, it was something you liked. And then you shared it with people you trusted. And, and some people shit on it. And they're like, oh, that guy's fucking sucks. Oh, is that the guy that takes his shirt off and just drinks all the time? Yeah, it fucking is. Okay. It is. But you shared it. And in sharing it, you helped me grow this podcast and my ability to make money. You buy, I remember when I was at 25,000 downloads and, and you guys, not me, I didn't do anything. You guys got me to 50,000 downloads because you told people. Maybe I worked harder, but you told people. And, and then you helped me get to, by the way, I'm giving exact numbers. I probably shouldn't. But <laughs> then, and then I got to 100,000 downloads and then it kept growing. And, I, and it was because you shared it and in you sharing it you put yourself laid yourself vulnerable to a friend or maybe an, a co-worker and said this is a part of me they talk they, this is not my idea they talk about this in the show and you'll hear it weigh on me and it weighs on me heavy because because i um i feel very very blessed to have created something that is is profitable for me and my family during a pandemic that you guys grew for me. You helped grow this for me. And the position that Dave is in right now is that he made something really fucking cool, but people said, you don't get to own that. I'll talk about this in a future podcast with the lead singer of Slipknot, Corey Taylor, but the fact that I have this platform, this, this, uh, this podcast, and I get to talk to you guys every week and and share thoughts like this and, and 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 arrive on thoughts like this once again this is not my thought this is their thought about art and how comedy shared with friends and how you put yourself out and i talk about isla in this and i haven't shared this with isla i'm not sure isla would be cool with it but isla shared it's a story you'll hear in there but isla got slammed for something she liked and it really shut her down for a year and we lost isla for a year for a year and a half roughly we lost her we couldn't get her out of it it wasn't old isla and she's back But I think that's what's amazing about Chappelle's statement today was you've allowed people like Joe Rogan and Tom Segura and Joey Diaz and Ari Shafir and, 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 and Brendan Walsh and Bill Burr and Jay Larson and Ryan Sickler and, and myself and Steve Byrne and Steve Renazizi and, 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 and Chris Stefano and, and Andrew Schultz and Tim Dillon, and you've allowed us to create, look, we're no Chappelle show, but you allowed us to create our thing. And then you shared it. Ah, oh, it's, it's such a great meeting of the two thoughts that are killing me today is the Chappelle statement and then this podcast, which we did yesterday. My point is, check out Auntie Donna on Netflix. Auntie Donna's Big old House of Fun on Netflix. If you like it, share it with someone. Hey, listen, if it's not for you, that's not for you. I get it. Listen, I shared it with Leanne and she didn't get it. It's not, it, it is, they, I think Zach says this perfectly. We wanted to make something a tad bit divisive. Does divisive, is that the right word? Divisive because we didn't want it to be accessible for everyone because then it's not, then it's the blues clues, right? They wanted to make something weird 
and quirky and fun. And this taps into what got me into comedy. And I talk about this also on the podcast, which is the state. I've talked about the state a lot. You've heard me do a podcast with David Wayne. I should do one with Mike Lee and Black, but I was obsessed with that because it allowed me the opportunity to think different. I was very strict on what funny was. For me at the time in college, funny was a lot of punching down. It wasn't a lot of open-mindedness. It wasn't like goofiness. I didn't have friends that allowed you to be goofy. I didn't have friends that allowed you to be different. I didn't, by the way, I'm not shitting on my friends if you're listening to this, but you couldn't dress differently. You had to dress like everyone else and you couldn't behave differently. You had to behave kind of in the norm with what the guys in the fraternity felt was in the norm. And if you were too far off to the West, then then you were far East to them in their opinion. When I saw the state, it was the first time I'd seen alternative thinking. Alternative comedy is what they did. Alternative sketch. And that is what these guys do. And they do it brilliantly. They do it really brilliantly. And, and I think you should light up a joint, sit by yourself, and enjoy this sketch show. It is so, it's so good. It's so good and so different and it's so weird. And it's fun. It's fucking fun. And they're good guys. You're going to love this podcast. You're going to love this podcast. I love these guys. They, uh, you'll see. Ladies and gentlemen, am I buzzed, Halston? Did I, did, I, did I just go into a drunk tirade, Halston? It's okay. We haven't had one in a while. I have not. I mean, I have not really tied one on in a bit. And uh, tonight I'm tying one on. I did not feel good, man. I fucking drank too much coffee. And, and, I, um, and I thought I was getting coronavirus because I was getting chills. And it turned out I just had bad salsa. And, and, uh, and so we, I tied one on tonight. I tied one on. And uh, I really hope you guys enjoy this episode. I really do. And like I said, Chappelle shows off Netflix. So if you're looking for a sketch comedy show on Netflix, check out Auntie Donna's Big Old House of Fun with Zach, Mark, and Broden. Today's podcast, Zach, Mark, and Broden from Auntie Donna's Big Old House of Fun. Streaming right now on Netflix. All right, start the show. This is... <laughs> what's funny but <laughs> what's funny what's funny man. what's funny but what, what's what funny? are you laughing at oh. <laughs> i don't get it oh that might be the best way to start a podcast ever that's fucking awesome that is fucking awesome it's not that cold here so it's okay no, it's quite warm uh-huh. <laughs> oh that's right it's summer for you guys just a yeah, bit. yeah. Just nearly, yeah, very man. nearly. Holy shit! Are you guys all in Melbourne? We are yeah. beautiful, like beautiful it? Melbourne. We've got as of today, breaking here, zero COVID cases. No. Have we hit the zero all across the board, Broden. Yep. Oh, that's incredible. Serious? And thank you for saying a Melbourne. Uh, the way you said it, usually a very Melbourne. But yeah, I, it, I, it, I appreciated the bin there. I appreciated the bin. It goes against everything <laughs> in my fiber of a human being because <laughs> because every see I I can't stand people like that go to Ibiza 
and say Ibiza. <laughs> but, but for some reason, when you're down, and then and then there's a comedian named Eddie Ifs, who's a good friend of mine, who used to come down and do shows. Yeah, and he's very he was very popular in Australia and and loved it. Loved, I mean, literally, it was probably him and Arch Barker were the two guys yes. that, mm. that were like preaching Australia to any of us before we even thought. What, what did they used to say? I want to yeah. know this because like Arge is like an icon here, as is Eddie. Yeah. But like, was it? Did he? Was he just like, you got to go down there? They love Americans. You can make yeah, it. They'll give you a career. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, you know they would sell it on like on like almost like a like a a, a great experience of doing comedy. Like you know, you got to go down there. The crowds are awesome. They get our sense of humor. It's like because every American was terrified to go abroad. Everyone. Mm. I mean, mm. I, let me I'm, I, let me rephrase that. A lot of New York comics that I know didn't want to go abroad, and if they went abroad, their energy was shit. They just shit all over the place that they were at. And I remember Arge was the first one that I remember being like really popping. And then Eddie had a, loved it down there. And I didn't go until shit. I maybe like three, four years ago. And yeah. it, I'm, I'm broken. That's my favorite place in the world. My daughter, Georgia oh. moved to Sydney. I mean, shit. Oh, really? I, oh, Australia is so amazing. So, I mean, I don't have to tell you that, but it's um oh there we go there we go <laughs> it's um it's that thing of like it's i feel similarly when we go to um it's new zealand to america to a, like australia for us when we go to new zealand the air is cleaner the food is more delicious oh. but things and things are just a little bit slower and like and then when you go to but when we go to america so many things are happening so many cool shows the most fucked food in the world that you eat every day and we just yeah. lose our fucking minds. Um, but then, yeah, like, it's just that, like, it's... Um, but when New Zealanders come to Australia, there's also this idea of it's there's more going on. You you lose things, but you gain things in yeah, when, when yeah. population size. Yeah. Sometimes um, Australia can feel like a country town when you go to America. Like, the whole, <laughs> like, even, like, living in Melbourne, like, just feels so small and nothing like I like you walk down any street in New York at any time of the day and it's just always loaded with people and it's just not like that in Melbourne so it's, it's a real shock sometimes I New Zealand blew me away New Zealand was a place I went oh, where I gorgeous. was like where I was like this is I remember I kept saying the term otherworldly like it didn't seem yeah. like it belonged on this planet mm. and, and Jurassic I, Park isn't it yeah and and we we I mean I did it I used to work for a network called the Travel Channel where we travel, I traveled for like nine years just around the world. And oh my God. Oh, that's the best job. I'm sure it isn't. Cool. I'm sure it isn't. <laughs> but it sounds like the best job. It's, no, it, it was a, it's a lot like being a stripper. Like it's amazing life experiences. You're having a blast. You're making a lot of money, but there's no future in it. Like you can't be yeah. a travel channel mm. host. You, I mean, Bourdain, Bourdain worked for Travel Channel. Yeah. You're just, um, you're, uh, you're travel uh, showing your way through college. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I'll tell you right now. Yeah, that's a good one. I, uh, I, I was watching. I was binging you guys last night. Um, watched four episodes, and I didn't even realize I did this. I was drinking. I didn't even realize I did this. I made a fucking Vegemite sandwich. How you? How did you, <laughs> you get Vegemite? Oh, bro, I got my ways. I order that shit online all the time. I love Vegemite. I love Vegemite, and so I'm watching it. I didn't even realize I did it. These two pieces of toast in there, a little butter, put slabbed on Vegemite. And I walked out. My wife goes, are you eating a fucking Vegemite sandwich? I go, 
I'm, I, yeah, I just feel like, I, and then I'm like, oh my god, I've been watching Don all this entire night, and then I've that's been right. watching all your YouTube stuff too. Oh, that's oh, awesome! Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, right, on, man. Thank by you. the way, I have to say this: congrats on the new show on Netflix. It is fucking hilarious. It really is. Thanks, um, it, I, it, I, it's. I have so many questions about how you come up because it really is a stream of consciousness series. You guys, you guys did. I I I watched so much of your shit, so it's all on top of me. But there was a a song you had of of some sort. We had you mentioned uh, a little girl's name, and and the the attention to detail of the little girl's name in that song. It was like uh, it was like uh, Genevieve was her name, and I and it it just wasn't it wasn't uh, it, it just wasn't Brenda. It was Genevieve. It was just <laughs> like, it was, and it made me laugh because. And you know, when, as a comic, you're thinking, you're trying to think on top of things. And I, and it's the things that catch you sideways that make you laugh the hardest. And it's like those little, little, the little hints that I feel like are the Easter eggs within your show are my favorite part of your show. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I think we are, we are always, you know, like what we, we will often do when we're the writing or getting to that final phase of writing. Like we always make sure the last thing we do is a joke run over our own work. And we look at almost every single element of something and we go, can this be funnier or is this at its funniest, which is of course subjective, but I guess we're just, you know, talking about to us. And there are things like that. There are moments like that where we will have a character's name and it will have been a character's name for, you know, all the way through the process. And then we'll get to that very last stage and we'll go, oh, someone will realize, oh, we haven't maybe milked this moment for comedy. And it's not necessarily a joke and it's not necessarily, you know, a laugh point that we're putting in. We're just putting in a little bit of creative thought to kind of every single element of, of what we <laughs> yeah. do and every single line. It's, it's, it's a really arduous process sometimes, but but it's so great to hear that because I think that's like the first time anyone's ever truly appreciated that level of shit that we put into our work. Oh, so no, thank I, you, Bert. What made it? And I liked that. I liked that it wasn't always. I mean, dude, I've I've been saying, uh, so far, so fly, so fly for a Wi-Fi. Pretty fly for a Wi-Fi. <laughs> fly for a Wi-Fi. I've been saying that over and over in my head, going, "What am I? Gonna, I got to change my name." My Wi-Fi name to something. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where it's like we, we're often very guilty of, and I don't know if you are too, but just like with names and shit like that, often we'll just do a real thing to us that is completely niche and no one will understand. We all went to the same college together mm. like 10 years ago, and we'll yeah. often just name characters after people we went to university with because we oh, find it that's funny. my favorite thing in the world. My favorite thing in the world is to, I love, I can't, for some reason, the joke loses its interest to me when I have to use not every, everyone's real name. 100%. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. And they, these guys, so there's a couple of members of Auntie Donna that went to the same <laughs> high school. Broden, um, our musician Tom, and our filmmaker Max went to the same high school. So when they used the real name of a girl <laughs> oh. they hooked up with at some party when they were 15, I've never met this girl. But if you say her full name... I cannot think of anything funnier of the full name that has this like lived connection that I've never, like, you know, everything in that moment. I, I think, I think that's the funniest thing you can do. You guys do songs really well. And, but I, I gotta tell you, I really appreciate, I think it was episode maybe three where you didn't open the show with a song. You, mm. opened, you opened and I, and I liked oh, yeah. it. I, I, 
I was I was predicting what where where we were going, and all of a sudden you that fucking hilarious sketch with the fucking guy in the because <laughs> you wrote it in an email. <laughs> <laughs> that Blair Boyant. Yeah, Blair we, we, yeah, yeah. It was. That's I think funny. it was like it, I don't think it was ever really our intention to open every episode with a song. I, I think we just usually found that with a lot of the structures we were working with, that was, a, that was a good place to do it because we wanted, um, we wanted a song in every episode. That was kind of like almost, that was part of the pitch when we were pitching to, to, to Netflix. We were like, we love songs and, and we want to put one um, uh, in, in every episode, at least one in every episode. But sometimes we just wanted to, I don't know. It was just like that, that all came quite natural. And then with the episode order, we'll like, Oh, it'll be good to grow, break it up because we found that, but, but almost do that thing that I think you've just said is the way we found the episode order is we'd lead people into believing, Oh, they understand what the episode structure yeah. is now. And then even break that, you know, even break that most basic of kind of uh, structures and circumvent that expectation, you know? So how, so how do you guys, how did you guys come up with, an episode I'm cu- the series. I'm curious. Did you, did you, cause people had asked this about me with, I had a series just came out called the cabin on Netflix. Yeah. I watched it. It's fantastic. Mm. Oh, thank you. And, and I, and I really didn't have any answer for anyone. They're like, how did you guys do this? How did you shoot it? And we were really like, kind of like uh, all over the place, but I'm curious. Did you guys have, did you beat out a series? You can't hang on. Let me re- let me start this over. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I understand that you guys come up with a theme for a show, whether it be the Fringe Festival or whatnot, and everyone, whether it was the Romper Room or the like, every one was thematic, and this one was the Big Old Fun House, and so yeah, it was yeah. all about your experiences in this one house, correct? Yeah, 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 yes. yeah. And then, very much so. And then you it tell is. me the, the rest. How did you beat out an entire season and then weave in? I'm curious. So we we did a live show. Our last live show was called uh, Glenridge Secondary College. So it was set in a in a high school in a secondary school. And um, for the first time, we always struggled with plot. And I think particularly where we struggled was in the last act. We'd always do a bunch of sketches, and then the last act was just so much exposition to kind of pull it all together. So we just thought, all right, let's try something different. Let's do the plot first. Let's decide what the plot is and then and then build the sketches to that. And then we found that when you do that, you can actually do very minimal, very small plot. So basically the way each episode worked is we'd go, all right, what's the plot? Um, someone's going on a date. And then we'd go, all right, so all you need to do is set up that they're going on a date at the start. Let's do that the funniest way possible and we'll do it in a page. And then all you need to do is them going on a date at the end and let's do that the funniest way possible. And then and then all that is basically is a, is a launching pad for every sketch. Every sketch kind of needs something that starts it. It needs that first 20 seconds of, you know, in every sketch, say you'd have someone coming into a barbershop and they would say, hey, I'm going on a date. Can I get a new haircut? And we were like, let's just take that 20 seconds. Let's cut it from every sketch. But let's make the first, the like inciting incident of every sketch, the start of the episode. And then basically just strung them all together. People think there's a flow to the episodes. Most sketches you could flip around inside an episode more than you'd realize just because every sketch is just like, Someone's going on a date, but now this. Someone's going on yeah. a date, but now that. So it's much less, it's much less clever than people realize. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. 
Um, like another big thing, a really like really simple thing of like where our, like the structure for this show comes from is like our live show. And it's just like a real core thing to us that we've never really thought about, but we're not huge on punchlines. Like there's this huge premium sometimes on sketch comedy where it always comes together in one beautiful ending. Yeah. And um, when we were writing our live shows, the things like very early on, we would often, instead of finishing, a, you know, instead of finishing with a big, like, you know, with the, the podcast, you know, you know, the end of the punchline, um, we'd bring in the next sketch and transition to the next one to kind of avoid the moment where you're like the big ending. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so like, that's kind of where we, well, is a, is a, is a, is we're not very good at writing punchlines a lot, a lot of the time. So we've, we've learned to kind of mesh interesting ideas next to each other and you're just sticking around for the funny moments. You see it in stand up a lot as well, where people just stick to a theme for a while and then just sort of change subject mm. without it having that big, you know, I, so I don't one, know. I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with the opposite in my acts. Um, I have one night where I had a, um, I was in Calgary. And, uh, and I got, a, I had this joke, I was drunk and I fucked this joke up and, uh, and it was a time travel joke uh, about my daughter, my, my daughter being weird. And then her catching me on an edible and asking me about time travel. And then, and I pulled it together and I fucked it up so bad that the beginning of the joke ended up at the end, but it seemed like an ending and they applauded. And I got <laughs> like, I was like, they applauded. Like, what were they applauding for? And this kid been doing stand up maybe four years did not was not the greenest dude just goes real simply goes oh we knew it was over and i went what he goes ah uh, yeah it cool. was done it's like a natural reaction when something's done you're like oh that's done and i went wow and then i got obsessed with it in a bad way <laughs> i had i felt like every bit i did was and that's the end of this lesson that's so funny. We we have in our second episode in this, we have an episode where we're hunting for treasure. I remember, I know that one, yes. We were talking about it yesterday. It's like we've often been criticised in early in our live shows as they just kind of end and we love like just blowing shows up and ruining the ending and like what yeah. we found is that people, even if it means nothing, subconsciously want always want a happy ending, a really like book, like closing of the book, it's all happy, right? So the treasure ending... N not to talk um, about I'm too much. I'm on my phone right now so I can treasure ending. Oh, the Ellen DeGeneres. And yeah, then, but just after that. Oh, oh has, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it, it makes it makes no sense whatsoever. There's like there's characters that we've killed off that come back. There's no there's, there's no nothing. Nothing, like, nothing works. <laughs> there's no narrative. Like it makes no sense. But we find the treasure and it's all happy. Yeah, and, yeah. It, and, and people watch it and go that's great you bring it all together it makes no fucking sense Bert but it's just that feeling like oh it's a happy ending and people really, <laughs> really yeah, the really false the people. false sense of something cyclical is like is is really funny to us like like it's something that has just been completely unearned but you give them you give them the feeling of something earned when actually it hasn't been done at all. It's and it's yeah. really because we were talking about yesterday about how that's like one of our favorite jokes at how we do that. But not a lot of people in our lives have picked up on the fact that it's a complete fucking bullshit ending and, <laughs> and it's just this it's just a vibe and it doesn't actually make any sense. Yeah, there, there's nothing we love. We do it in our live show a lot where it either doesn't make sense. Or it's actively like like everyone's dead, or it's actively a bad <laughs> ending. But we 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 end it on an uptick. You and do yeah, a you stop. treat it. 
We're like, Treat it like yes. this. <laughs> come on, everyone. And it's, it's exactly what you're describing. If you give people the beats of an ending, they're so happy. They leave on and up. And it's like you could what you can how you can fuck with people with that rhythm is yeah. phenomenal. It's yeah. so funny. Did you guys write the Ellen DeGeneres sketch before she got in trouble? Yeah, oh, man. Like oh, yeah, that's an old sketch. That's like, we wrote that in our third year. I think we, we read a lot of people going, together. yeah. Wow, like you really you really responded to the Ellen uh, scene. <laughs> it was like, man, we wrote this in 2014 or something. Like That used to be like gives people free shit, that nothing else. I remember like that was just like a joke Broden and I used to do with each other on the phone. Like he called me once just as I was going into my call center job and I was like, who, I was like, who is it? He's like, oh, we would literally just do that. And he's like, go outside. There's something for you outside. I'm like, oh, it's a spicy burrito. And we just do that for like, I was late to work one time because we were just doing it for so <laughs> long. And then this is in like 2013, man. <laughs> oh, I, 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 I get that. I get that vibe from you guys. Uh, what was the one I was watching today? A bit of put, bit of pud. A little put, <laughs> little put. And I yeah. could not. By the way, pud for us means dick. But uh, <laughs> does it? Yeah. <laughs> That's why it That's went right. so viral. That's why people love that so much. Obviously. <laughs> but it's. But I go. Oh, this is my. This is. I'm curious if that is something that someone says something and then you guys start riffing. Or I wondered. How quick do they write a sketch sometimes where someone goes, you know, a little bit of pud, pud, and then someone immediately guys are like, all right, that's a bit. That's going to be a fucking sketch, you know? It's a bit yes. of both, and it kind of yeah. depends on the sketch. So there's like something like Ellen, it was built through improv, but then that's word for word perfect. Like we when we when we perform it because it's so vocally demanding, me and Mark alternate on who plays the uh the, the character getting the prizes because it's so screamy. Yeah. So that's how word perfect it is, is that someone can slot in. Then Pud, for example, was that was uh, I always loved how British people said Pud. That's one element that was sort of came second. <laughs> but I always thought it's, it's a real like British people are so classy, but they sound like children sometimes with some of their words. They're like, I'm going to go have some Pud with mummy. It's like, okay, that's weird. You're weird. <laughs> That's a weird thing to describe dessert as, you weirdos. Um, yeah. And then we also were like, let's do a Christmas sketch. It's Christmas time. How about something? How there's always a bit of room for, for Christmas. So great. Then we yeah. kind of put them together. That was literally the idea is putting those two things together. The script was maybe four lines of dot points. It was, Zach is too full for Pud. Broden maybe has room for custard. That was the script. And then we we shot like half a day worth of improv. And then it really all is on Max, our, our director and, and um, editor <laughs> yeah, on those stuff yeah. and co-editor on the on the series it's, to kind of bring it all together. Because uh, it's, it's Yeah, go, Max. Sorry. I, I was, I was just going to say, like, it, it's just kind of like everything for us starts with, we've gotten to a point now where everything starts as uh, an idea big enough that you can fit it on a post-it note. And when we're writing, we have like a wall of post-it notes and, it, and they've got one or two words on them and it's, and it's just the idea. So that one just said put on it, right? Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then depending on what the idea is, once we like, because, uh, you know, we'll have a big pitching session and we'll write up all those post-it notes and have them on the wall. And then the next phase is we pick out the post-it notes we, we're the most excited about we get them down and then we have a big discussion about them. Now, depending on where that discussion goes, 
depends on how scripted something gets basically because for something like pud we were like that is it that is an idea that we could shoot with no script in our office improv around it and there's there's sketches in our show in our netflix show that have that same vibe like the um guys fighting out the front of the bar for example was like you know we had to write a script for netflix but essentially we were like here's a list of dot points and things we want to riff around and then there's other ones like pish drinker for example that that is just like very very scripted and very like boom 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 you know um it just all depends on what that germ is and where where it takes us i guess can i ask you a question oh, bert sure. um uh do you ever have joke like you have your audience who love you and like will you know come and see you and will watch all your all of your specials but do you ever have like jokes that like cut through to a completely different audience for some reason and just endear you to new people does that ever happen <laughs> yeah but i think it, i think it's the wrong people <laughs> like, well, often that's what happens right <laughs> so like with this, like with Pud, for example, the one you're talking about, we have like a core audience, which is like alternative, you know, comedy dorks and weirdos. That's kind of our our people, mm. right? But sometimes you do a video that like just becomes huge with like jocks or like a different scene. And then like you go out to a pub or something and everyone's like, I fucking love you, man. And it's just like you find this completely weird audience for one thing you do. I was yeah, curious I, if that happens with you. Yeah, no, I, I get... Uh... You know, it's funny. I was that guy that you just described to, uh, there was a sketch group called the state back when I was in college. Oh, cool. The state. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, I yeah. haven't. No, I've, I haven't I've heard of them. Oh. Yeah. They're fucking, uh, they were, it's Mike Lee and black Thomas. Oh, Lennon. Stella. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Stella. They're Stella too. But, um, David Wayne, they were called the state. They were on MTV and I ran into them in Greece at a place called the pink palace. And I walked up to them and was like, dude, I fucking love you. And I remember David Wayne going, really? And I went, <laughs> yeah. Like they were the reason I got <laughs> humor was just off. It's very, you know, I found it to be very similar in, in tone to what you guys do, but very different. I think there's what, yeah, we yeah, no, we arrived. It's funny because we've now had two members of Stella um, uh, tweet about us, about saying how similar we are and in a complimentary way. Mm. And it's so funny because um, we kind of like, uh, I would say Bro and Mark are the biggest Stella fans, but that all happened after we'd already started. We were already quite established. That we're about a year and a bit in. We'd sort of established our voice a little bit. We'd done two shows when someone said, you're a lot like Stella, I think. We just, for some reason, the the shared influences, the combination of being inspired by people that inspired Stella and inspired by people that were inspired by Stella and the state kind of came together that we've ended up with a similar sort of voice, but we've arrived at it independently, if that makes sense. But yeah, yeah we've heard we're very, very similar. I, I think I would have sniffed out the sim. I, there's similarities in that there's three of you for Stella. Because Stella had a show on uh, on Comedy Central that I watched, and my buddy, I think my buddy produced. And um, you're, but you're still very, very different. Your energy is is, by the way, all respect to uh, David Wayne, Michael Showalter, and Mike Lee and Black. But your energy is um, more varied. Their energy is all very similar. It's always, it's very, um, oh yeah. It's it, their sense of humor is all. They ah, this sounds horrible because I love them, but I'm not. I'm not saying anything bad. But they all kind of play a version of the same guy. Whereas <laughs> kind of that bit so in a way. Like different. that's yeah. 
Yeah, it's quite. They're quite a uniform. We love that show. We 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 only we discovered that sitcom this year, and um, <laughs> just lost our fucking minds over yeah, it. I was just crazy like, for you to just describe, find it, and know that your your sensibilities are yeah. similar. It's, Michael uh, and I watched it, and we're like, um, this is. <laughs> We want this is well, let's just do this for season. I was two. like, this I was like, yeah, I was like, I wish this was our show. Like, I, I just, I loved it. We loved it so much. Like the way they took sitcom structure and just like went fuck you with it, you know. Yeah. Um, and it, it feels like I don't know. To me, it's like I don't know if this is a weird thing to say, but I feel like if those guys had grown up with the internet, they would have been us. Like we just, <laughs> we just sort of came up in the same way and, and liked the same kind of weird shit, but because we had the internet and we grew up with the influence of the internet, we turned out a little bit differently, you know, it's like, it's kind of happening to music at the moment as well. Like there's this band I love called the hundred Gex, which is like, they're doing very similar electronic stuff to, to stuff that people have done before, but because they grew up so heavily ingrained with the internet, it comes out real fucking weird and a bit different. And I'm, I'm like obsessed with them. I feel like that's what we are to Stella in some ways. I just, I'm downloading them right now. Oh, hundred gecks are fucking, uh, uh, pardon? Out of St. Louis. Yeah. Yeah. They're fucking cool, man. This podcast is brought to you by Raycon wireless earbuds. I was just thinking about these earbuds the other day because I was walking through Best Buy and I saw the lineup of all the Uber expensive earbuds. A lot of which, if you're like me, you run on the treadmill or you run outdoors, then you take off, you throw in your pocket, then you wash them or you lose one or you lose. I've lost so many earbuds. It's crazy. What I love about these is these are half the price with amazing audio quality comparable to all the premium brands. And like I said, they start at half the price. So this holiday season, get someone something they can use for calls, for music, for podcasts. They are tiny. They literally mold right into your ears. So I throw them in my ears and pass out listening to podcasts at the end of the day. Work, play, at home, on the go. Pick up yourself a pair. Pick some up for a friend. Today, you can save big on a gift they're going to use every single day. These Raycon wireless earbuds. It's never too early to start gift shopping for the holidays. And now's the time. Go to buyraycon.com slash birdcast today to get 20% off your Raycon order. But hurry. This offer is available for a limited time only, and you don't want to miss it. That is buyraycon.com slash birdcast to get 20% off your Raycons. Buyraycon.com slash birdcast. This holiday season, the best deal in wireless can only be found at Mint Mobile. Right now, when you switch to Mint Mobile and buy any three-month plan, you get another three months for free. As the first company to sell premium wireless services online only, Mint Mobile lets you safely order from home and maximize your savings with, a, with plans starting at just $15 a month. Halston has been using Mint Mobile all this, this whole time. Am I correct? Yeah, I, I would run out of data on UFC fights and podcasts <laughs> because those are so long. Dude, like, podcasts, right? Live sports and stuff. And so I don't have to worry about going over like data or anything like that with Mint Mobile. It's pretty dope. Their offer is the best of the year, and it's here right now. For a limited time, buy any three-month plan and get three months more for free. By going online only and eliminating the traditional cost of retail, Mint Mobile passes significant savings on to you. All plans come with an unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. 
And if you are not 100% satisfied, Mint Mobile has you covered with their seven-day money-back guarantee. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month. For a limited time, buy any three-month Mint Mobile plan and get three more months free by going to mintmobile.com slash birdcast. That's mintmobile.com slash birdcast. Cut your wireless bill to just 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash birdcast. Have you, um, there's a bit in the first episode of Stella, which I think about every day, where <laughs> or the real estate, where they go and see it, they go and inspect a really big house because they need to move house and they go and see a real estate agent, this is lady. And for some reason, two of them leave the room and David just stays and just the energy completely shifts and they just start making out really. Qu- it's the fucking, I think about it every day. They're the kings of that. They're the it's kings fun. of like, I know the thing I think about every day is there's a bit where there's this little sketch they did a little while ago where they go and they try and find Santa Claus and they find Santa Claus and then his wife is there and then Santa Claus leaves and then Santa Claus' wife goes, did you guys know I have a cock? And they went, no. And then they start sucking Mrs. Claus off and it's getting like really intense and they're sucking her off and they're all sucking her off. And then it just, and it's like really full on and sexy and it gets super horny and then it just cuts and they're all laughing and thanking each other as they're leaving. It's just like this instant, and they constantly do these tonal shifts. It's I'm I've got to be careful. I can't watch that show too much because I know that if we get a season two, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do that because I love it. And it's just like that's all I want to do, you know. <laughs> I gotta get you guys. I gotta get you guys a copy of the the state. I'll see if I yeah, yeah please please. I didn't realize there was a pre-stellar thing. That's oh, fucking cool. State? The state has lines in it that I, to this day, that I go, that I, like, I think of, like, there was a, a coach talking to his track team, and he was like, and there was one guy on the team called Baloney Feet, who had Baloney Feet, <laughs> and he just goes, so sincere, he goes, if you guys had half the heart of Baloney Feet, I mean, just, that I say over and over, my favorite sketch they ever, probably ever did was, um, this, they had a mailman who stopped delivering mail and started delivering tacos. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Michael Ian Black comes out and he's like, uh, here's the thing, Bill. Uh, I'm worried about my mail. And the guy goes, whoa, I think we're saying a lot of things that we're not meaning right now. I'm, I'm you don't like my tacos. And he goes, no, 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 I love your tacos. They might in fact be the best tacos I've ever had in my life. It's just without my mail, I can't pay my bills. And he goes, I'm hearing you don't like my taco. Like, it's just the, the goofiest, like, and that, that was my, and that's why I enjoyed you guys so much because there's something about sketch comedy. I, correct me if I'm wrong about this, but it leaves you feeling better sometimes than stand up does. I think stand ups often, and I don't know if because you're alone on stage, stand up has a tendency to, to, and I don't like using this term, but punch down. Um, mm, uh, sure. where, 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 where sketch always punches up. It always seems like sketch is always. It always is always good time adjacent. Like one of the sketches you guys do is something you shot. I think you, I really don't think you shot it on purpose. It's about uh, someone called you gay. I think someone called right. someone called was it Mark gay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I at first I was like, I I really looked at it and I was like, all right, we're like an eighth away this video in. Where the fuck is this going? And then all by the end, I'm like. Holy shit. And, but that's what I love about that is like, 
in that sketch, it takes the direction that I, I, it makes you, it forces you to um, realize all the times that I remember I immediately identified to a time I was riding, <laughs> riding a bike in, uh, in Tallahassee with my shirt off. And some guy goes, Hey man, what's up? And I was like, what? And he goes, faggot. And I just took off. Right. And I was like, why the fuck, what the fuck did I do? Like, and so immediately I'm forced to go there because that's the beginning of the sketch. But then it takes it to a way of, of explaining that the reason the guy does that is that he's got his own fears and, and, and it just, and it, but it's a, it's funny. And it's, and it's, and it, I'm, the whole time I'm going, does he have cue cards up? How does he know this? And then I'm like, <laughs> it makes you feel good. And I wonder if you notice sometimes in watching stand-up that stand-up sometimes has a tendency to not care if you feel good or not. Well, it's, 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 really it's, interesting. it's just a different art form, isn't it? Like, like I, I could never do stand up. If I wanted to do stand up, I would have to start from the start. That's, that's genuinely, I would be, I think as bad as any open micer, even though I'm now a professional comedian, if I got on stage with a microphone and tried to do stand up, cause it's just a completely different form. And I think, I think that's part of it. I think there's an element where, with sketch, we can bounce off each other. We're protected by each other. Um, whereas with stand-up, you you you're just talking, and you're just it, it's all you. And and I think there's just an element, I suppose, where I don't know. You, you kind of have to you have to go in. Like there's there's just mm. a point in your career as a stand-up where you have to start investigating yourself. You have to start questioning things. Whereas sketch, you can kind of whenever we have those moments, there's the others can just sort of pull us out and keep it as this sort of shared positive party kind of experience, yeah, if um, that makes sense. The, the core of what we're all, we're all doing, I think, which is a, a reason why I think you get that is I think the main thing that we're really selling is that it's just a couple of buddies screwing around. Like that's the, it really is just you and your mates. And um, like, I think obviously sketch can be uh, like topical SNL every week is, you know, in incredibly topical. Um, but um, uh, like, I think that might be the reason for it is like, we're trying to give you the sense of you're hanging out with your friends and often stand up can often be like someone's thesis or someone's manifesto or, you know, or, or it can be sometimes talking to a buddy. But um, uh, I think for us, it literally is just a, our mentality is, Hey, don't worry about anything else. It's just us hanging out and having fun. And that's kind of the core of what we do. To, to get mm. kind of like a little, a little deep on it for a second. I think, I don't know how to get this without going too wanky, but I think there's like, uh, there's a lot of versions of a person. Like every person has many versions of themselves, many selves. And I think that, you know, who we are with our mates when we're fucking around is different to who we are when we're at school, who we are when we're at work, who we are when we're, with our parents. And I think that with stand up, you kind of probably have to tap into a ver like a sort of solitary, thoughtful version of yourself. Even if you, if, even if you're doing the buddy stuff, whereas with us, we can always tap into that energy. I get very in my head, but I don't have to be that with Donna. I can put that in other places. Like when we're hanging out, we can always keep it at that level. And I think, you know, I think there was one point midway through our career where we thought, oh, we should comment on things and we should engage with stuff and we should change people's hearts and minds. And then we're like, actually, there's a lot of value to just saying, just being the escape for people. People mm. are in their heads all fucking day. This can be two hours of just, you know, punching up and just joy, you know, just positivity, yeah. just fun. 
and there's there's something there's something of value to that as well i think you know yeah i think i think what you said is really accurate in stand up i don't really have anyone to when i get to introspective or get to like like i don't have anyone to bounce that off of to go yeah, I think that's. A, I think you're. I think you're overthinking that little thing. I think is this connecting to something in your childhood? And you're like, I don't. Know. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's I harder would, to undercut, I suppose, when oh, you're on I'm, your own. You I'm, know? I'm, I'm on this bit. I'm, I have this bit that I'm obsessed with. I don't really talk about too much topical. I don't ever talk about topical stuff. I don't try. I try to stay out of politics. I, I want my stand up to be. I want it to be a release. I want you to kind of to be able to tap out from life. And I, but I also realize that sometimes I'll, I'll take a stance on things like fucking gun control. But it, I, I want you to know I stand on both sides of the fence that I don't want to alienate anyone. But there's this I'm obsessed right now with um, with gay dudes buying presents for other gay dudes. They're so good. They're so good. <laughs> I take good at it. Oh my god, my, they're so much better. So Tom Segura <laughs> is uh, my my best friend. We have a podcast together, and he bought me a present for my birthday. He bought me. A three thousand dollar e bike. It's an electronic bike that goes thirty miles an hour. It beat every <laughs> present my wife has ever bought me in my entire life. Like never has my wife known what I wanted more. And, I, and we <laughs> podcast, and we're like, I and we're like, I bet gay dudes best buy the best gifts for their boyfriends. And and they started emailing us and going, actually, we fucking kill it in the gift group. <laughs> <laughs> and so and so, I'm obsessed with it as a bit. Where I go, where like, where I last night I was, and I I I think it was because of your your sketch calling a guy, the guy calling you gay, riding your bike or whatever, walking on the street. I was with we were with I I didn't think anything in the moment, but we were with a gay couple, and they were talking about how they're soulmates, and I was saying, oh well, me and my wife are soulmates, and then I thought, I bet me and my wife are nothing compared to these two. Like I bet. I bet we could, because what we're doing is so unnatural. A man and a woman is so unnatural, as opposed to two men, is like, I bet they really are in love. Like, like, <laughs> bet, like their love is so much deeper than what we could ever have. We're different. I don't, like, half of the shit she likes, like, I don't, we don't get excited for the same shit at ever. Like, yeah. And so I was like, oh my God, I, I bet I, I bet I couldn't fathom. And so I'm trying to write a bit, but I go, I definitely don't want to be heavy handed in, in trying to tell people their politics, but I think everyone should love gay people. I don't think that should be something that, I don't think that's something you should be splitting hairs on, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I lean into the part where I start going, I start going as a joke. And this is where I think I would love to have friends to be able to run your bit because you never can, you can't just start off a joke and go, um, I think being gay is so much better than being straight. And then here are my points. What what I what I do? Yeah. So this is the beginning of in my head as I'm working this out. I'm like going, I, you open up with I think they should outlaw homosexuality, and then flip it and say all the reasons that it's so much better than what we have, and then so that and so I'm trying to work it that way. Yeah, right, right, right. But, but and I go and and I literally was thinking about you guys because of you know John Cleese is has dug his heels in so much in PC fucking PC mm. talk where you go. What so? What was the parrot a Mexican? Like, what was the? <laughs> what's it an old say? Man. Yeah, was it was the parrot indigenous? Why? Wait, why? I'm kidding. What's it, what is it? What's what's faulty tales about? <laughs> what's actually going on under the hood? There is some crook shit, no doubt. <laughs> like, yeah, like he really. It's got to be hard. 
because Monty Python was just genius for everyone. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's yeah. like, yeah, uh, the, my thing is like, I, 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 would, I listen to John Cleese in the same way I listen to my palliative care 98 year old grandfather and just go like, you know, let's just, let's just, okay, he's that. That's a shame. Um, but yeah, also, you get I think to a happened- point, don't you, where you're like, yeah. thank you for 1960 through 1995. <laughs> thank you so wonder. much for that period of your career. It's <laughs> fucked for me because, like, the main, I was never a creative person. I went to acting school and I was like, I'm just going to be an actor and I'm just going to read people's lines and never really think that much. And then mm. we, a- a- in Australia, we left, I left university and I was like, fuck, you can't act here unless you're Chris Hemsworth or Rusty Crow. And that's the end of it. So like, we're like, fuck, I have to be, I have to learn how to write and be funny real quick. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, and so like the, one of the, I didn't know how to be creative or to write or, you know, when I was 21 and I watched a video that John Cleese did like, cause he, he was, I think he went to Oxford or Cambridge or one of those two and was a scientist. And he did a talk once where he broke down how to be creative as a method, as scientist, like what are the things that make you creative? And it's an awesome video, but it's the main thing. It's the main core of how I write now, like of how I've become a creative person. It's things like separate yourself for an hour and say you're focused on this. Don't think hard, just think, just be around an idea. Just stuff that was super, super helpful for me. But it's a shame that he's he's an old man now <laughs> and he's saying old man things. I don't think Twitter's ever done anything good for anybody. I think we no. should just shut it down. <laughs> just like shut it down. If you like what someone does, don't ask them any more questions. Like, let's shut down Twitter. Let's stop asking people questions. Like, oh. let's stop it, you know? Like, you know, I, the, the amount, I, 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 re- I wish there was a, I wish there was an appreciation for the amount of restraint I show by not responding to people. Like, oh, man. Oh, See, oh this good. is the other thing that it is great about having a group. This is the other thing that that if I was a stand up, <laughs> because we're divisive, right? We're divi- we choose to be divisive. We made a choice, you know. We made a lot of choices with this show, and we we talked about a lot of sort of mantras about how we would approach this show. But I remember the big thing I went in with, um, and I can't remember if this was collective or just me, but I think it was collective. Was if someone doesn't like this show. I didn't want them to be like, that was good, but not for me. I wanted them to be like, that. that's too much. That show is too intense and I don't care for it. I wanted people <laughs> to either like it or be like, mm, too much. It, and if it you was look that- at our internet movie database reviews, I think we've achieved that, Zach. <laughs> yeah, we achieved that, right? <laughs> I definitely wanted it to feel like on the edge of something you enjoy and something that's a little too much, you know, you want someone to come out of our show going, fuck, I need to take a Valium. And, and when you do that, right, that's a choice you make because it means that the people that like it, love it. Right. And it's, it's a thing that we, I've really enjoyed. We really enjoy. But what also happens is you get people on Twitter that have decided that comedy is objective, that rather than go, oh, wow, I hated that, they go, this is not good. (laughs) And just like, this is not good. You are all wrong. Everyone that likes this is wrong because it's not good and there are not jokes. It's like, well, there are structured jokes. You just don't like them. They're like, no, there are no jokes. 
And thank God we have like private group chats because I, we will, I will, I've written like diatribes. I've written full essays in response to a single tweet being like, not for me. I've written these massive fucking essays and Mm. then I've just sent it to the guys and none of them read it. They'll give it a like, but then thank God that's not going out on Twitter because who gives a fuck what someone's like a comedian's response is to someone who doesn't like what they do, you know? It's, yeah, it's, we're, we're lucky because there's a, there's a weight of responsibility when any one of us replies from the, you know, title Auntie Donna, it really, it's representing the thoughts and the feelings of six people who very, very rarely all th- feel and think exactly the same way on something, you know? So we can't, one person's, if there's one tweet that really fucks off one of us, that's like sets us on fire as I'm going to murder this person. There's someone else in the group who's just laughing at it and thinks it's a bit dumb, you know? So we can't just, we can't do that because it doesn't represent all of us, you know? Um, so it's nice because it, 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 uh, it gives us a little bit of accountability and we can check in with each other and go, Oh no, fuck that person. It's fine. We can move on. We don't need to talk about that. Oh, if you want to start a group chat just to I need a group. I need a group. I'm like <laughs> yeah. I've, I've I've I have one tweet some guy sent me like three days ago that I am still chewing on. That I'm still and I've I've crafted so many responses that I'm like and, and by the way, I I'm, 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 I this is so bad. I'm talking about it in therapy. Like uh mm. because I read I read The Four Agreements. I don't know if you've heard of that book, but uh yeah. it's it's basically whatever i don't know i'm i'm half i'm not really good at reading so like i i'm half reading it but one of the things they said was and it goes back to and this is what i why i really i not to by the way i know you i you know as i'm bringing up this gay sketch you're probably like we barely shot that bird we weren't even mic'd like how why do you keep bringing this up this fucking sketch but it is when someone says something negative to you you if you choose to take that poison then you are choosing to take their poison and and mm. And so when, and what's crazy is that comedy became that it became very, it became pick a team almost in America. It did. It was like, you're either an, you were either a fan of alt comedy or a fan of bro comedy. That was like, that was like our sand in the line and our line in the sand. And ultimately anyone who does comedy likes all of it, you know, but yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't know if it was a way to garner fans or to get fans to respect you differently to, to, to claim a group, but it's, it's so funny to me as I go. And, and what's so funny to me is that like, sometimes my wife came in, I'll give you all, just paying respect to this. I my, don't ever listen to my wife's comic takes on anything. And you guys were playing two South Africans in the backyard who were not really South Africans. And, and my wife comes in, leans in and goes, what are you watching? And I said, Oh, it's auntie Donna. And she goes, what, it, what is it? And I said, oh, they're on the podcast tomorrow. They got a Netflix special. You should check it out. And she leans in and you're doing South African accents. And she goes, where are they from? I said, Australia. And she goes, they don't sound Australian. And just walked away. And I went, you just wrote <laughs> off the entire fucking series. Because you don't know what a South African sounds like. You fucking idiot. Like, I can't believe I'm fucking married to you. If I had a gay husband, he would have been like, that doesn't sound. Hey, buddy, what, where's that from? Like, what the fuck? I got so- <laughs> It's so but, funny, but it's, it is, it's interesting. Yeah. It's an interesting point I have is that you guys have set yourself up. You've done very well in uh, all the festivals, all uh, like fringe in Edinburgh, in Melbourne and in, in uh, Melbourne, in Sydney, all around internationally. And when you throw your hat in the ring in America, you really are asking, 
you're almost, especially doing what you guys do, you're almost asking for hate. Like it's a weird, mm-hmm. like America is such a shithole of opinion. Like it it's really is. And I live here. Really I live here. Shit, like, the fucking <laughs> the toxicity that's going on in our goddamn country right now is yeah. so bad and sickening that it's so far from the country I grew up in that when you guys come as outsiders, I'm curious, how do you feel like, uh, like when, like, being thrown into into our WWE ring. <laughs> it's it's kind of like I feel like you know comedy is a much needed medicine like uh, everywhere at the moment you know but particularly America we and we've toured it we've done a couple of tours of the US and done and uh, like it's only once we did a tour of the US that you fully appreciate that you really are a continent less more than you are a country like mm. you know you. It's like, a quirk of history, man. It is a quirk of history that you're one country. Like, and and it's very like, admirable yeah. that it 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 it's one country. It truly, you is. know, you talk about California being what the one of the biggest economies in the world, let alone a state of one country, and yeah. like and like when you you do shows in California and they're cool, and then you go to Texas and you have people in the meet and greet who have MAGA hats on, and then you go up to New York and it's different again and Philly and then you go to Des Moines. Like it, it's a, it's a very big place, but like there's people everywhere, even though you look at that, you know, you look at that election thing, you see red States, blue States, there's like diverse senses of humor everywhere and yeah. people who love comedy everywhere. And they all come and like, you know, there's no political lines for a weird alternative comedy that sings a song about morning Brown. Like, <laughs> like there's like, like so our experience of america is very different to yours we come in and see people who like our shit and then we go home so it's a very like it's like disneyland for us in a lot of ways we were yeah, asked especially to leave. disneyland is like disneyland it was, for yeah us. we went to disneyland a lot when we were doing the show but like we it was we had a lovely time and then like march 14 this year they were like you need to get the fuck out of this country right now before and like because of covid yeah. and we got like sent immediately home so apart from that it was a lovely experience Support for the BurtCast comes from Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Listen, I am Generation 1.0, and guys have started shaving their balls. We had to do it with straight-up clippers, straight-up liners. And when you got the back of your sack, you would char that bitch. I mean, literally just, and blood would pour. Man, blood pours out of ball sacks. Like it does faces. It is horrible. And untrimmed pubes, who's been doing that? I mean, I, I trim my belly. Leanne talked about it on, on your mom's house, I think, or on with Tom and Bush. I trim, I've been trimming my balls forever. It's time to gear up and get yourself the gift of shaving this holiday season. I'm talking about Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. Revolutionary company that Manscaped is, has redesigned the electric timmer, the trimmer. Their lawnmower 3.0, has proprietary advanced skin-safe technology, which I would have loved back in the day. So this trimmer cuts. This trimmer cuts on your nuts. It's also waterproof, so you can use it in the shower. It comes in their new, brand new Perfect Package 3.0, which makes for the perfect gift this holiday season. It's literally everything you need to keep trimmed, cut-free, and smell nice down there. That's right, smell nice down there. And do, by the way, don't use the same trimmer as you use on your face on the balls. That's disgusting. The Manscaped. Perfect Package 3.0 also includes crop preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. Look, you already put deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your bodies? And that smelliest part of your bodies is your testicles. It's 
speaking of sweaty and sticky balls, I'm very thankful for their Crop Reviver. Along with this product and the Crop Preserver, you can keep your balls from sweating and smelling and sticking, sticking to your nuts like fucking bat wings. All these products smell good. Their manly scent is attractive and will help set the mood if you know what I mean. The perfect package also comes with a pair of Manscaped boxers so you can keep that junk feeling fresh all day long. Upgrade those boxers. These anti-chafing, high-performance boxers are perfect. This is the season. So get yourself, get your dad, get your brother, get your friends. The best gift of all, Manscaped, perfect package, 3.0. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code BERT at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. That is 20% off and free shipping with the code BERT at manscaped.com. 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use the code BERT. Keep up your nuts and make Santa proud. This podcast is brought to you by Skylight Frames. If you are looking for a Christmas present this season, this is the present that I bought my friend Tom Hayslip, my friend Eric Cruz, and my friend Stephen Frompkin, their wives, my sisters, my moms, my dads, my Aunt Judy, my, 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 I, I think we gave it to my agents and my managers. This is why I love this. This is the greatest gift you can give anyone. Skylight Frame is a photo frame that you can update instantly by email from anywhere. It's a Special gift for all the special people in your life who, and, and I'm telling you, it's a great way to feel close. All you got to do is get on your phone. You upload a picture that you have on your phone to this frame. It shows up on their frame and it's a great way to keep up with your parents. We owe to upload pictures of my nephew, my daughters, myself. I have the picture of myself at the bearskin rug on it. It is effortless and, and literally sending a photo to Skylight Frame is so easy. Everyone in your family can just email them to this personal Skylight email address and they just pop up. We have one for our friends, the campers, and one for our friends that are for our family, and then one for business one. And we just post them up and everyone, it's beautiful. It's a, they have black frames, they have white frames, and it looks like a photo, but they keep changing. And then I go every now and then when it's right by our coffee maker, I'll go and I'll see one that I haven't seen in a while and I'll swipe back. All right, now I'm obsessed with the pictures of my daughter's before they got their teeth fixed. It reminds me of a very, very, very happy place in my life. And I end up making my coffee and sitting by my skylight frame on my elbow, just swiping through pictures. Absolutely gorgeous, 10 inch touchscreen, uh, 100% satisfaction guarantee. And if you don't love your skylight, they're gonna give you a full refund. You can preload it with all your favorite pictures for a personalized gift, import photos of yourself or your significant others, your grandparents, your everyone. It's awesome. This is the perfect gift to give your mom, your dad, so they can enjoy all the pictures of the grandkids. And, and literally it just changes. So every time you walk into the room, it's a brand new picture. Right now, as a special offer, you can get $10 off your first purchase of a Skylight Frame. I'm telling you, this is what you want to buy your family. When you go to skylightframes.com and enter the code BERT, that's right. $10 off your first purchase of a Skylight Frame. Just go to skylightframe.com and enter the code BERT. That's skylightframe.com with the promo code BERT. S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E.com. And the promo code's BERT. You will thank me. I promise you. Yeah. It's very, um, it's very like, there's a whole thing with, with, uh, you know, Mark grew up in a, in a outer, outer suburb bordering on a, on a, 
sort of r- like a rural city. I grew up in, um, I call myself the chubby Bill, comedies, comedies chubby Billy Elliot because I grew up in like coal mining country. <laughs> and Broda grew up in the suburbs and we all grew up in very different experiences, but we all came to this taste and we all came to this style of comedy. So I think we're pretty well versed in this notion that like, there's a kid in every place that likes what we mm. do and wants what we do. And I think um, I think people make a lot of assumptions. They make a huge amount of assumptions. They think that tastes and ideas and types of people are based on geography. And I think that's less the case than people realize, you know, um, our tour manager toured, um, who did 50 states? Eddie Izzard did 50 mm. states. He did. He toured every single state of the US. And our tour manager talked about that and talked about, oh, it's going to be challenging some states. And they got there and he talked about getting to every single state and going, there is alternative in every single state of America. And there are people in every single state of America that love this and want this. And it's like, it's, I think people can get really reductive and they can go, oh, that, that group of people over there all think that way. And it's like, that's just as bad. We've all just got to like, just find a little bit of positivity, find a bit of joy, find a bit of fun. And I think we're going to be, I think there's some value to that. You know, mm-hmm. I really do. I think you're, what you're saying is, is honestly worth gold right now because, you know, what is, what is, is super sad is when as a performer, you alienate a group of people based on the, either their politics or their identity or ha- like their sexuality, their, 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 how they identify if it's, you know, as soon as you start doing that, you start really closing off the world. And I think you're right is there are guys in MAGA hats that come to my shows, come to your shows. I had a guy in Arizona, give me a Trump flag. And I was like, and I, and by, by the way, I'm, I don't talk politics, but like, I don't, it, I don't really give a fuck. If you're there to have a good time, that's what comedy is there for. Your politics, I don't think your politics define you as a person one way or the other. Of course, there are horrible people in the world, but that doesn't mean anything. And and and, and you're right. You know, you can, what what can make you laugh? I remember Patrice O'Neill saying, uh, Patrice O'Neill is a great American. Yeah. Comedian. yeah. And he said, I love the song Yellow Submarine. I fucking love it. <laughs> and I said, really? And he goes, I love that song for whatever reason. I hear it. It just makes me happy. I said, really? And he goes, here's the problem. I can't really play that in my car. You can't see a 320 pound black dude rolling around (laughs) 22 inch rim. We all live in a yellow submarine. So, so, but, but you're right. And, and that's what I think is really cool about what you guys do is that everyone, you, you never know who's the cowboy that the coal miner might have a fucking quirky sense of humor and that might make him laugh. And I think that's so fucking cool that you want to know something interesting that the sex pistols when they first did their first tour of the u.s they were a working class punk was very i guess working class i don't know much about socioeconomics in the uk so i, I like it's all the same it's pretty much the same everywhere man like that's my that's what i've realized the more i've traveled you've got it's all the it, you know britain has the queen so it's a bit more intense but otherwise <laughs> the, the tour manager said you know you guys are working class kids we're doing working class cities we're going to do Birmingham, Alabama. We're going to do Atlanta. This is in the 70s. We're going to yeah, do yeah. Texas. We're going to do Arkansas. And it was where it was where those people had never seen anyone like that. And the tour was wow. horrible. There's a book. I read a book about it. And it is fucking fascinating. Isn't yeah, right. they, they started on the East and they just kept smashing shit 
across the country. And then by the time they got, they, were, they weren't selling that many tickets. And then by the time they got to San Francisco, they sold out a massive venue at, um, in San Fran. And they were like, just literally, they were so fucking out of it by that point. Yeah. That like, and that, like the show was unlistenable almost, but like they, that, that they were ridiculous, like just ridiculous. What a moment. Yeah. It's, it's, and, but you're right now, I think with the advent of the internet, I, your fans and, you're going to have tons of fans in Omaha where historically you wouldn't think that that's where, you know, that's where open-minded, you know, kind of sketch fans would be. You'd think sketch fans will be in the East village. They'll be on Hmm. Franklin street, you know, in LA. So wait, you guys shot the whole series in LA, huh? Yeah. 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 We were, we were living in, we lived in America for about five or six months. um, uh, Just making the show. We, we wrote it for about six weeks here in, in Australia. And then we, Went over there, polished off the scripts and kept writing for about a month. Shot it in like three and a half weeks, uh, right up until Christmas. Um, had a little break and then we edited uh, up until we were like, if we don't leave now, we may never leave again. Um, because, <laughs> well, like our country, we just had no idea what, like yeah. COVID was so new and it was so scary. And it was like, fuck, are they just going to like lock us out of our country? We, we had no idea. Um, so it was like, it was unbelievable. Zach and I were living on Hollywood Boulevard, like a two minute walk from the Chinese theater on like where the walk of fame and shit is. And it was uh, crazy, especially now at the moment, right where Zach and I live, there's a fucking billboard of our faces on the corner of like La Brea and Hollywood. I know exactly where you lived. I know exactly where you lived. Yeah, Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was just like, there were times where we'd write, cause when we were writing the show, we're writing it on, um, uh, Santa Monica Boulevard. In, Amoeba in, Music. Yeah, yeah, near, right near Amoeba Music, right? We're running it there. Oh, and whoa, then, whoa, 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 whoa. I just realized you're writing it. At, you were worked with Ed Helms. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His offices. Yeah. Are you been there? Yeah, yeah. I, so I started, I mean, I say it started with Ed, but we both did this open mic in New York together uh, with this guy, David J. Nash. And so I've known Ed. I mean, I don't, I, mean, I, I would assume he'd still know me, but, uh, but I've known Ed for, you know, you never know in Hollywood who will forget you. And I've forgotten, <laughs> yeah, mates, yeah. I've forgotten yeah. people. But um, yeah, I know I've, I pitched a, a movie. I pitched a movie over there to his company. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. They, I did they a really were, embarrassing um, thing once because his office is really like a, a nice looking office. Like he's got yeah. this whole like 1910s aesthetic. Like it's the old, the old electric company. Yeah. And I always was very impressed by it. And we met this Hollywood superstar when we were pitching the TV show, literally before we went into our first meeting. And I was trying to be cool and be nice. And I turned to him and I said, I really love The Office, by the way. It's really nice. And he's like, oh, thank you. Yeah, it was a good show. And I was like, oh, no, I didn't fucking mean the actual TV series, The Office. I, 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 I mean your actual office. I'm I didn't so mean sorry. to reduce that nine season phenomenon to the word nice. But can you that imagine? Wasn't my this, intention. Who is this asshole trying to schmooze me, like talking about the biggest TV (laughs) series of the last 20 years? Like the greatest thing Ed Helms ever did on television. And I hope to God he hears this. He got a mole mole removed on his nose on, uh, on the daily show. And it was fuck. There is no scar whatsoever. I remember watching that going, I have a mole right here. And I was like, God damn it, man. I should get, he had his, uh, like, he was on the Daily Show and he just got a mole removed. And it was, oh, oh my God. God. And it was like on t- on TV, like on screen. I have not forgotten that. By the way, I ran into Ed Holmes one time and I was like, this is, never take advice from me, ever. I ran into <laughs> okay. a hotel in Boston. He goes, uh, he's shooting something for the Daily Show. 
And I was like, what's up, man? He's like, how you doing? I said, good. And he's like, what are you doing? I said, I'm just touring. He had just started working for The Daily Show. And he's like, oh, cool, man. I uh, Something about living in LA. And I was like, yeah, I go, listen, Ed, can I give you a little bit of advice? He goes, please. <laughs> I go, never stop doing stand-up, man. This shit <laughs> all goes away. But you can always count on stand-up. One day, they're not going to call you, but stand-up always, because I had had a show and it got fucking taken away from me. And then I had to go back to stand-up and I was like, I had to relearn everything almost. Mm. I go, Ed, you can't trust this business. You're never going to know what's going to always count on stand-up. <laughs> now he's one of the biggest movie stars in the world. <laughs> but he still well, does stand-up. needed to hear it. Yeah. 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 And, he's, and he still does it. Like, uh, I, I, I saw him do a couple sets when we were over there. And it's interesting that you say that because it's very much, in some ways, that's very much our philosophy. Like, we... When we were pitching this show and we were making the show and trying, you know, trying to get it to happen, the idea of getting a show in America was a fucking joke to us. Like in a lot of ways, it was like, there's no fucking way that's going to happen. We're just a couple of like shit stains from like the fucking (laughs) bottom of the earth, right? Like we're closer to Antarctica than we are to fucking America, right? Like there's, we've got a better chance of getting a show with the penguins than we do with the people in Hollywood, right? Oh man, so, sorry. I'm so I'm so <laughs> deeply want to imagine pitching to penguins in Antarctica. <laughs> they're just running around. But they're all just LA. LA. They all like, talk like LA yeah. people. Like we love yeah, you. Yeah, you guys mate for life. We're, we're the same. Um <laughs> and like everyone's been talking about it. <laughs> so so we have always had that mentality of like of 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 uh, we never put all our eggs in this Hollywood basket. Even when even when it happened, you know, we we're always like we've got to constantly be working on live stuff. We've got to constantly, even if we get the Netflix show, what's the next pitch we're doing to get a web series up? You know, and and how are we looking after our YouTube audience? And we've got to make sure we keep doing the podcast. And we've always wanted to keep every single thing going because. If one of them all of a sudden falls off and stops, we still have five or six things that we've been working on to keep our business afloat. You know, it's a it's it's been a huge part of our philosophy, and it's very right. It's 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 a, it's a right thing to say and do. I think. But that was uh, Patrice O'Neill's advice to me. We were in Scotland doing the Fringe Festival in uh, in like two two thousand maybe ninety nine two thousand. Yeah, and he said. Uh, by the way, that wasn't his technically. Patrice is a very complicated man, so to say that was his advice is very short-sighted. Well, I was. I wanted to say before that, like, I've never. We never got the chance to meet him, but I've just heard so many pearls of wisdom in podcasts and just around the scene from this guy, like, and how he was just like a guru almost. He was also a cunt. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> anyone, anyone who knew him, like when you hear someone talk too glowingly about him, I mean, like apparently you didn't know him. <laughs> we were in. This is exa- This is a perfect example of Patrice. Is we are in Scotland, and I get a TV show, and I go, and I get a deal. I get a deal and a TV show, and I just had a deal to do a TV show. So, um. And I go, how great is that, man? I go, actually, I'm going to leave early. I'm going, my show's starting in like a week. I'm going, I'm going to make a TV show. I go, oh, I'm on TV. And Patrice's advice to me went something like this. Can I tell you what I, why I feel sorry for you? And I said, why? And he goes, because you got nothing to fall back on. He goes, when this show goes away and it will go away, you got to go all the way to the beginning. And he goes, me, I have a foundation. So if they give me a show, I only fall halfway but you go all the way to the bottom. And I thought, I literally thought to myself, he's jealous because I'm making a lot of money and I'm going to LA to do a TV show. And then that show got taken away from me and I went all the way to the beginning. And I was like, I will never forget Patrice's 
advice, if you want to call it that, is advice of build that foundation and keep raising your foundation. So when that show goes away, you just fall right here and you're like, oh, and then one day your foundation will be past what anyone can give you. And you'll be like, hey, I don't really, I'm, I'm going to do my own thing. And that's, yeah. that's the beauty of podcasting now is that it's helped us raise our foundation to, to the point where, you know, when COVID happened and everything shut down, everyone's like, just double down on your podcast. And, 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 and you, we all fell a lot when you couldn't work, but at least you fell to a base that was manageable where you weren't going to lose your house. You weren't going to lose your car. You could keep yeah. your family safe, you know? So, and that's the beauty. What's, tell me about your podcast. That was oh. fucked. No, that's the last, that's the last step. So watch the Netflix show, watch the YouTube before you watch the podcast. Literally, the podcast it's, is we, we, it's, it's just a rough. thing like, we, we like, so we all, people we, we're all, it. we're all different creatives and like, we, we all come to shit in lots of different ways. So like, I'm very, like, I sit there and go, well, I can see the points of how this can become a bit. Mark's very like laser focused and we'll write a script up. And Zach is like, Zach doesn't particularly love sitting down and writing stuff. But what we'll do, right, is we'll just come in with an idea like a guy with a hat and then we'll say, all right, let's improv this for half an hour. And Zach will get up with one of us or two of us and we'll just sit there and he'll just do shit and he'll go places that you just would never fucking imagine. Just go, how the fuck did you get to that point in your head? And then we'll go, okay, now that hour is gone and we'll go, Let's take that and make that a thing. And that's like all the weird tangents and stream of consciousness is in our show. It's like these two guys doing their thing. <laughs> anyway, sometimes those ideas in the moment are like the funniest thing in the world that could ever have happened. And then when you try and put it to script and translate it so it's on a live stage, sometimes the magic disappears or like it, 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 was, it didn't translate. And so we were like, well, we know that this is funnier than any shit we write. So maybe let's just make a podcast where it's us just doing this. So essentially it's just like us getting our ideas and developing them. And mm. they're about 50-50 hit rate. <laughs> so sometimes yeah, definitely. they're just so fucking nowhere. And sometimes they're really funny. So we have like this core fan base around the world <laughs> who love this shit more than our, you know, our Netflix show because it's like it's that like a hundred percent or zero percent thing. Um, but that's essentially what it is. And so it turns people off and it turns people on um, in, in a big way. It's a real cult. It's like it's it's out of everything we do, it's the most cult thing that we do. Like the, the people who love it are just fucking die hard. They're just so into it. And it's like, all right, <laughs> that's cool. Because, <laughs> you know, we really love doing them because they're, you know, they're, the stakes aren't high for us. And and we've actually, you know, recently we've only started, like the South African Sams, for example, that you were talking about, that is the first time we've ever taken something that developed in the podcast and put it into another medium, right? So it's really cool to, to hear you talk about it because we had, you know, our, our, our longtime fans and people who've been following our shit show of a podcast for so long fucking was so excited to see something that came out of like a stupid thought and was a dumb little thing now be like, you know, they've gone on that journey because they've been reoccurring podcast characters and now turn into a thing that we're sort of introducing to the whole world. Um, it's, it's, I, really, uh, I really think that's a great distillation, Mark, of what our podcast is. If you've seen our Netflix show, um, the South African characters that your wife described as a bit too much for two minutes 
we probably have about three and a half hours of, of them. <laughs> worth of shit. Worth of shit. <laughs> Just <laughs> three and a half hours of South African, of upper middle class South Africans that now live in Perth, Western Australia, yelling at Mark. Like that's pretty much the. Uh, the- <laughs> okay. So, yeah, it's. it's- yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry, Kevin. No, no, you keep on. I was just saying, it's just like it, what it's turned into us is kind of like this little breeding ground where we can have like a stupid idea that we come up with five minutes before we do it. We do it. Sometimes nothing comes out of it. Sometimes something that we all get really excited about and shelve for a later date comes out. So it's become a really interesting place for us to just experiment and fuck around. And that, that's that's really what it is. You know, it's not it's not for it's definitely not for everyone but it's sort of just like this creative little bubble where three people are trying to make something happen essentially yeah i i i was my dad asked me about i do the i do a podcast with uh tom segura and my dad said so what is it about and i said it was nothing really he said well why would people listen to it and i said well it's i think if you're a fan of me and tom's and you'd like it and he goes do you guys have like you guys do bits and sketches and stuff? And I said, no. He's like, what do, you, what do you talk about? And I was like, nothing really. Like, I don't know, dad. It's really hard to explain. And he goes, well, like, what's one of your big bits? I go, oh, I drink a gallon of Kool-Aid. And he goes, on the show? I said, no, I just tell Tom I do. And he did. <laughs> and he goes, wait, I don't get it. So I had to play it for my dad. And I was like, you're not going to like to think this is funny. By the way, it's there's no verbiage to it. We're not, we're not really talking. Tom just finds out I drink a gallon of Kool-Aid and he can't stop laughing at how much sugar that is. And then I start laughing and then we're just laughing back and forth. And then look at my dad. My dad's crying laughing. And he goes, this is the dumbest shit in the world. And I was like, yeah, I go, if, you, if you're a fan of ours, you'll like it. But I go, I can imagine people turning it on and just not getting it and going like, yeah. but it's, it's, it's the beauty of a podcast is that I feel like it's an, an extension of social media mm. to reach out to the people that do like what you do and then show them a little bit of like, of I don't know, like maybe behind the scenes or. You know, it would have been cool to know more yeah. about uh, my favorite, my favorite performers. Like, I would love, I would love to be able to just peruse a thousand hours of Sam Kinison talking. Like, I would yeah. love, yeah, mm. absolutely. Mm. Mm. Like, that, I it's think a- obviously talkback radio has been big for a hundred years or whatever, and there's a reason for it. People just like to hang out with someone while they're doing stuff, and podcasts is just sort of like conduce that to people who like a lot of the times. Are too, are too alternative or like aren't saying a mainstream enough thing. You can literally now hang out with people who have the same sense of humor as you on the other side of the earth, and 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 listen and riff with them for an hour. It's 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 great. And and people, it's the same. Like I don't know if you know much about Twitch, and I'm just learning about Twitch recently. But that's literally like the core of it seems to be. And Mark will talk to this more than me. But like Twitch is just a place where you someone plays a video game and you hang out with them while they play the video game, and people like adore it. Just love it, and like, yeah, it's the, it's it's because the immediacy of the interaction. It it is it's you know like a Twitch, you know Zach compares it to cam girling. Um, I sort of <laughs> compare it to it's kind of like it's it really is kind of like well live podcasting or almost radio. It's more like radio in a lot of, in a lot of sense, but. Um, you constantly have the uh, the line open for people to call in and talk to you and, and directly interact with them. You know, um, it's really interesting. Like my 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 favorite, like one of my favorite comedy things in the world is. Uh, do you know Peter Cook and Dudley Moore? Bert, are you familiar with those mm, two Dudley British? Moore. I know, I, I I do, but not not well. 
I know oh, they 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 have this uh, they have these characters that they do called Derek and Clive, which are these like anytime you ever think you've done something that's like pushed the boundary or that you're cutting edge, you haven't. If you go back and listen to Derek and Clive, which is shit that the reason I love these tapes so much are these two fucked like derelict characters that these two guys play. And while they were doing their very accessible sort of sketch in suits like this show called Beyond the Fringe, which was really big and successful. And this is like pre-Python stuff. 1960s, yeah. Yeah, right. They would often go into a recording studio when they found the time, get like fuck drunk and just say the most like horrific things and be the, the like this dark, horrible, horrible characters, just the complete opposite to what they were doing. And it was all riffed and it was all improvised. And 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 most of it is them saying, like, you know, talking about how their old job was pulling lobsters out of some fucking British person's asshole, right? <laughs> and it's yeah. them just trying not to laugh and them trying not to fucking, you know, like hold it all together while being incredibly drunk. And it's that insight into just these two friends just talking shit that I think is way more interesting than their very heavily thought out scripted, you know, it's, it's almost like I, I like it. Our podcast is it's just an insight into writing almost, you know, mm. writing is like you'll bang your head against the wall for 45 minutes, but you'll get one good joke and and it was worth it, you know? And that's, that's kind of like, that's kind of what it is. <laughs> you, did you ever listen to, and I, I don't want to confuse it with what the ones that have been animated, but did you ever listen to Ricky Gervais's podcast when it first? Oh, yeah. And, dude, I remember feeling so lucky. I remember feeling special that I, that I found something that I connected with, that I got, that I felt like I was privileged to listen to. And I, I, remember, I remember trying to play it for my wife, and she was like, I don't get it. Is this, what's wrong with this guy? Like, what? And I was like, no, baby, you're missing, you're missing the beauty of it. Like, this is so perfect. And, and I, and, but I loved it. And I was like, and I love the office, but I was like, oh, this is the best thing I've ever heard in my entire life. I was like, how do I get on? How do I do one of these? And I, and I would love to be a part of this. And then, you know, fucking what, probably seven years later, I got a podcast, but yeah, <laughs> that, that was amazing to me. I would love, I got a little Dudley and, uh, Dudley Moore. It's Peter Cook and Dudley Moore are the, are, the, are the actors or the comedians, but the, the character's called Derek and Clive. Just search Derek and Clive on YouTube, man. And oh, just God. like ha- having a wank is one of the best fucking sketches just <laughs> ever. And um, uh, this bloke came up to me. This bloke came up to me is just like fucking perfection. It's just, oh my God, man. Again, anytime I think we've been edgy, I go back and listen to that. And I'm like, these guys were just. These guys invented edgy. (laughs) This podcast is brought to you by DHM Detox. These are my two drinking buddies. This, I say this podcast, my tour was sponsored by DHM Detox. I am supposed to have product in hand. I just went to Two Bears, One Cave, and we did a read where they had two boxes, and I stole a box, and I've used them all. I've been drinking a little bit lately. And, I, and here's the deal. I'm also trying to run a thousand miles this year. So I don't want to feel less than hundred percent the next morning. So I take two capsules after, after my first drink and bam, it goes to work. This is like the vitamin for people who like to enjoy their drinks, but also like to enjoy life when they're awake. You want to maximize those moments. So this holiday season, enjoy your drinks, but get back to doing what you love the next day 
without feeling like crap. Literally, two capsules after your first drink, and you feel amazing the next day. And by the way, if you're partying a little extra hard, I throw another two capsules in halfway through the night. Tens of thousands of people are using DHM detoxes or drinking, buddy. DMH detox uses science to help boost your body's natural response to alcohol, alcohol, alcohol. By the way, I'm out right now. And I have a two bears, one cave tomorrow morning. And I'm a little bummed, a little bummed. Alcohol and helps break down those toxins. It's the perfect stocking stuffer or gift to your friends, family, and even yourself. Remember, this holiday season is upon us already. So stay prepared for all the festivities and the next day and the day after that and three days after that one. So you don't have to struggle. No Days Wasted offer offers a risk-free purchase. So if you don't love it, and you will, if you don't love it, but you will, they'll refund you on your first box. That's a no-brainer. We've got a very special Black Friday sale with 30% off your order and free shipping in the U.S. Just head over to nodayswasted.co slash BERT30. Use the promo code BERT30 at checkout. Let me be very clear. That is nodayswasted.co slash BERT30. And use the promo code BERT30 at checkout this week right now only for 30% off. I'm writing this down. Yeah, please do yourself a favor. It's the most incredible shit you'll ever hear. I love that. That's what I think is so cool about comedy and cool with what you guys do is my daughter Isla really enjoyed, really, really enjoyed. Uh, well, it's the only thing she watched was um, this. This is a drum. It was the first yeah, thing. Yeah. And she, when when Broden does his voice, uh, Mark. <laughs> she started laughing and she goes oh is he in does that guy in movies do i know that guy <laughs> this is just this is just a sketch and then and then all of a sudden you're like oh no never mind it works she started howling laughing and i go <laughs> i go oh and it's cool that's one thing i love about comedy and music is to share the shit you like with people and oh, go yeah man check this out. i think you're gonna like it it's the and it's really cool to be a part of when people go hey man i i, I played the machine for me, it's always uh, little young boys, not young boys, but like uh, 16, 17 year old boys showing their dads the machine story. And then the dads are like, dude, my fucking kid showed me this. I loved it. Like, I love. And that's what I love about your show and the style of what you guys do is it's so similar to what all the shit that I dig that you can share with someone. And when they get it, you oh, know, yeah. oh, we're on the same wavelength. Beautiful, isn't it? I, I, I think it's worth, I want to get the word out there about like, when someone shares you a funny video or a song, that's so that means so much. So and you intimate. shouldn't take that for granted because what that mm. person is saying is, this is who I am or this is me. And if you shoot them down or shit on that, it's it's like you're it, it hurts. And I, I, we've all had that experience where we go, I love this song, listen to it, and song goes, I don't like it, or watch this funny video and I don't like it. Like, even if you don't like it, just go, Yeah, it's cool because you are. When I show someone like something I find funny, I'm saying this is me. I'm like this is a part of me. Um, yeah, it's a big deal. It is. It's the same. Same with music. I had it happen with a friend recently. I was showing my friend who likes. We both like weird shit. We both like weird music. And I showed him some Devon Townsend stuff, and then he just went on this diatribe of like why it's the worst shit he's ever heard in his life. And it just this. And he's like, I'm sorry, but this is why it's bad. It's bad. It's bad. And at the end of it, I was like. I think I'm going to cry. <laughs> like you've really upset me. <laughs> That's really, that is maybe the most profound thing I've heard <laughs> on this podcast ever. 
and because because I do get my feelings hurt when I show not my friends like I'm really I'm really protective of what I share mm. music wise and like and like comedy wise like like right now I'm obsessed with there's this guy on Instagram called Crime Faces. Do you have you ever heard of him? No. Nah. Every video is starts is what hood is this? And then he and then he commentates a fight happening in in a neighborhood like it, but he oh, he commentates it in a really funny really funny way and and his I love his voice and it just is he does he, it's done very well and I've been sharing it with my friends and uh, I shared it with Ari Shafir and Ari was like oh I'm following this guy now and when you win a victory like that I showed it to my wife she goes she goes I don't get it and I was like well he's just commentating on a fight and she was like am I supposed to enjoy watching people get beat up and I was like. <laughs> Oh fuck! And then I'm like, well, now I got to defend who I am, and I, <laughs> that's what was upsetting me. And and that's one of the things is that if there's one takeaway from this podcast at all is, is share shit, share share, go watch this fucking TV show and share it with the people you trust. Share you yeah. trust. I love that. No, because that's, that's that's like that's the beauty of fucking what we do is that we're making something. And we're giving it to people and going, hey, man, if you like it, give it to another person. It's yeah, a really yeah, cool fucking yeah. concept. And I never yeah. thought of it that way. Bro. No, it's like it's a gift for people. It's going, hey, come see, share this thing with me or come, come, come like this thing. And it's a huge responsibility to the people who are receiving it. Even if you don't like it, you give it a chance or you say, great. Oh, I'm glad you like this. Not yeah, don't be a prick. Like, don't be a um, fucking asshole about it. <laughs> like, <respect. yeah. laughs> You know, like, yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a cool thing that you know art and comedy and music get to do is like you can connect over medium ground. You know, for mm. people who can't ex- like who can't express what they are feeling, you can say it through a you know a, a bit of stand up or a, yeah, or anime, or and or or, or hentai. Yeah, uh, anime suck. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, that sucks, man. <laughs> Fuck that. Don't share that with me. You're a loser. like this is super that is so eye-opening my daughter my daughter is uh was into anime and she showed it to some friends and they all shit on it and she shut down she shut down for like a year and a half like shut down because the shit she liked they were making fun of they just thought it was stupid and she shut down and that is like and then she started doing things where she keep it in secret, like uh, like she bought wheelies, those shoes that have wheels on them. Yeah. And she had me buy them on Amazon, and she was like, "Hey, you can't tell anyone about this." And I was like, "What?" Yeah, yeah, and, She's and got you, shit friends, man. But you know what that is? <laughs> That's the same soul that we have as artists. Is where we go, "Hey, we're making something, and we hope you like it. And if you like it, share it." But and but that, and that's why we get these Twitter comments, and we're like, "Hey, man." I was just trying to make you happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, legit. It's, and it's like, I think as you get older as well, you start to realize that like, you know, I think when you do alt comedy, you said it about alt comedy versus bro comedy, but even like alt comedy versus bro comedy versus just the really, really, really broad shit. You know, the the, the stuff that really isn't for me, you know, the multi-camera kind of sitcom stuff. I had a friend who he got me into the weirdest shit, man. Like there was anime sitcom, like anime comedies. Uh, so I quite like anime just for clarity there. Um, then, like he got me into it, like an anime um, comedy where you had to actually read 
like the DVD came with a little booklet explaining the Japanese references to make the jokes funny. So you had to do a little bit of research before you watched the episode to get the jokes. So like at, at lunchtime, they use this sort of spoon and that's the reference here. And uh, like he was into the weirdest shit. And then I think he became like an engineer or something working down the coal mines. And um, I caught up with him like five years after I'd started doing like acting and I think I was into comedy. And he said to me, he was like, man, we used to hate, we used to hate those multi-camera sitcoms. We used to like just dig into them and just be like, and he's like, but I get it now. I work a massive shift at work. I, I, I am using my brain for hours and hours and hours. And I get home and I sit down and I turn on the TV. He's like, and I don't want to be challenged by my comedy anymore. I just want, I just want to be told when to laugh. I just want to relax. I want to like eat my dinner and be told when to laugh, you know? And he was like, and I get it. And I was just like, and he was like, I still love all that stuff. He was just like, but I get it. And I think that's so true. It's like, even if you like the weird stuff, don't hate people for liking the broad stuff. Just fucking chill out, enjoy <laughs> what you enjoy and let other people enjoy what they enjoy. And that's a tough journey to go on because I think we're all assholes. Mm. But I think that's so important. It's so important just to like fucking just get over yourself, you know? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember I remember being super butthurt that like I didn't get in in the alt scenes when I first started down in New York. There was a a place in uh in New York called um Surf Reality and then Collective Unconscious and we used to go you could pay like 3 bucks and then you could get up and do like 5 minutes or whatever or maybe more, maybe that was probably 5 minutes. And I just didn't fit in in that scene and I liked all the all the stuff that they were saying it was stuff I'd never heard. Like I, mm. I, I grew up very like frat boy energy, athlete, frat boy kind of guy. And to hear different perspectives. Oh, it's my daughter, Isla. Hold on one second. This is the one that was the, into anime. Hold on. Yeah. yeah, okay. Hey, what's up, I? Uh, why isn't Georgia picking up? Oh, I don't know, baby. I can't answer that. Let me, uh, let Ask me her about you. drum. Let, let me call you. Let me call you back. Okay. Okay. <laughs> never mind. That was a big fucking mistake. <laughs> my that was a big fucking mistake. Oh, you can was cut there that. sirens in the background. There was she out? Is she okay? Oh God! Guys, should have never answered that. Let me check. Let me check Life three hundred and sixty and see where my daughters are. Hold on. What's no Life three hundred and sixty? Life three hundred and sixty is this fucking kid, man. <laughs> <laughs> Do they listen to this podcast? Yeah. Oh, they should. They're fucking drive me nuts. <laughs> My daughter, How old are they now? I don't know. <laughs> well, the fucking Isla, it makes me crazy. The uh, We're going through. We're Man, teenagers suck. Do you guys have kids? No, no not, yet, not yet. Not yet. I know that I'm going to. I was talking about it this week. <laughs> What'd you say? Is we good? <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was talking about this with my partner the other day, and I was like, "Fucking hell!" I was like, "How is either of us going to handle either of us as teenagers?" Because that's what they're going to be. They're going to be some mm. variation of the two of us, and yeah. it's like that's not going to be fun. That's not going to be a fun <laughs> ten years. Oh my god! It's my my daughter Isla is can be such a bitch for no reason at all. Like just. This morning she she just was in a nasty mood and I was trying to make her laugh. She was being an asshole and then I, and she didn't bring the charger for her computer and then they go because we have a it's kind of ex- hard to explain. But we have another house that 
is being built, but there's a space where they're, they're doing school over there. So they get out of the house. And then she just calls and she's like, I need my charger. Can you go to my room and find it? And I was like, Hey, I'm a fucking grown up. Like, you don't just tell me to, I got so fucking. And then I went over and I was like, all I'm asking for is a kiss on the cheek as a thank you. She goes, nah, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And then she turns into this goddamn feminist that my wife created where she's like, that's patriarchy. Don't make me kiss you on the cheek. You know, you want to meet me halfway? I go, hold on. I fucking went and found your goddamn charger. I'm your dad. And then, and then I'm not allowed to say, because I said so. Oh, fuck. It's, it's a nightmare, man. It's a nightmare. <laughs> At the end. So she a teenager. Is that right? A 12 and 14. No, 14 and 16. I was such a prick yeah, then. I was a bad man. Oh, yeah, was I was awesome. a bad. I was a bad mother. Yeah, <laughs> when did you guys, time you guys smoke pot? What's that? How old were you the first time you smoked pot? I was 15. I was and 17. I fucking ripped a bong and I got so fucked up. <laughs> it was really bad. <laughs> I um, I, I never really, uh, like, I had to move to California to, to have gummies because they're fucking everywhere and you're more likely to eat a, a weed gummy than a normal gummy in California. It's oh. true. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> but yeah, I was, I was in bands when I was a kid and, uh, and, and, uh, like all my bandmates' older brothers were just like heavy, heavy into into weed and, and drugs. And there was a pretty big like drug problem kind of where I grew up. It was just, it was just like a lot of it. And, uh, yeah, I just remember, I, I look back on it now as a little 15-year-old Mark fucking just punching a bowl. Like, <laughs> why the fuck did I do that? Just like greens the fuck out, man. That was crazy. That was crazy time. Crazy about teenagers is like I, when I think back to when I'm 15, like to that. I like you know you think you're so mature and you think you're so grown up, but yeah. you're still a kid then, man. You're still so young. Oh, a and that's baby. the reason why adults are such assholes to you because they're like you're still a kid. I was there. You're still a kid, but you don't think you are. And it's just it's really it's a shit time. Oh, you, my my daughter's fr- some of my daughter's friends, the boys were eating edibles at a party and they overdosed themselves. Oh, and, and my my daughter was like, "How can that happen?" And I go, "Because they're fucking children and they're idiots. You're stupid when you're a child, and yeah. no one knows what ten milligrams is versus a hundred milligrams. A hundred milligrams is going to put you in the ground." Yeah. And, I like, <laughs> and I was like, "I'm an adult, so I did the research to find out what the threshold is, and it's two point five milligrams. That's the threshold. That's when. Yeah. What's that mean?" I go, "When you start feeling it, is it two point five milligrams?" So maybe five milligrams is a fair amount for a child. And I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck? Like what? Like, as opposed to a hundred, these kids, man, it's, I, I, I start wondering, I, I almost moved to Australia. You know that? Why? Really? I'm Which way? Where? Uh, Sydney. My buddy was doing a movie and, uh, and he was going to relocate to Australia. And my wife and daughters said, let's take a year and go down there and live in Australia. And I was like, Fuck yeah. I was like, I'll ride an hour down there. I'll just go and tour, just do clubs and tour. And, uh, and I was like, yeah, let's do it. And then at the last minute, my buddy did ended up doing uh, star Wars. So he's oh, shit. here. Yeah. Who was, Wait, who, so was, who was your buddy? Yeah. He's, a, he's a movie producer. So he goes, ah, he's, right. he's, uh, he's, he does, uh, he's done all the, he does only like really, really big movies. So, um, yeah, yeah. I forget the movie they were doing in Australia. I wish I could remember. Um, it was, like it, it was probably the prequels. Or something like that. Tell us what year it was, and we'll figure it out. It, it was uh, it, whenever I was last in Australia. 
It could have been early noughties, I imagine. It, it's, it would be shooting. It would be shooting right right around now. Like it would be shooting right now. Oh, oh wow. a, everything's being shot down here now because there's Thank so little. Tell me, how did you guys beat COVID? Uh, well, we're like, an island. We're an island. See, we we love to be arrogant about this, right? We love to be like, oh. and we did some good stuff. There's, I, I would say, there's two reasons, and and correct me if I'm wrong here, guys. One is we're an island, um, so the it, it, it got to us last. You know, it got to Australia last. So, you know, it happened in China, and we were talking about that in Wuhan. Happened in northern Italy, Iran. We were talking about that. It started to break out in America before it was a problem. Like it, we had that that entire time to talk about it, and we were able to kind of start to see. Okay, those places didn't shut down, and it got bad. Like we were able to see what happened in New York and, and Iran and northern Italy. So we were able to kind of. I think it was easier for politicians to be like, "No, we do have to shut down." So there was that, it was the timing. And also Australians are a little bit more okay with being told what to do. We hate it. We're like teenagers. We hate it. We'll complain, but we'll do it. You know, but we'll you, do it. Yeah. They put on a helmet. We're like, fuck you. I don't want to put on a helmet. I'm putting on the helmet, but fuck you. Yeah. And I think that kind of happened, but people and were like, stay home and we're like, fuck you, but we stayed home. Yeah. There's also just, there's just, there's less of us. Right. Yeah. So there's like not nowhere near as many people. Um, but in, in Melbourne, we uh, we had like this big second wave uh, where at points we were getting like seven, eight hundred cases a day, which is which is big, you know, for our population and stuff yeah. in, in Victoria. And we just went into heavy quarantine and we had like these stage four lockdowns that lasted like 140 days or something where you could only leave the house once to go shopping only one person per household could go you couldn't have anyone over your house you could only exercise for an hour outside every day there was an 8 p.m curfew um yeah and we did that for about 140 days and uh we just kept doing that until the cases eventually got to zero and now we're just on a rolling zero every day the only other thing i'd add is like the government as a whole uh paid everyone a wage who wasn't working so they paid everyone $1,500 $1,500 a fortnight to live pretty much. Well, 29th, is that a fortnight? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah 14, two, two weeks, weeks every two weeks. Two weeks, two weeks. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh for real. Fortnite's, fort- a fortnight's two weeks? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I forget that that's not a international yeah, term. Yeah. 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 Two weeks. Um, yeah. So um, they just, they just were like, for, for as long as this goes for, we're going to, they upped um, like social security, they upped like unemployment benefits. And then they basically paid companies uh, whatever amount to keep paying their employees during the period. So companies kind of kept chugging away um, and yeah, locked everyone down. States and states and like national, at least at the start, worked well together, better than they had in the, it was just Mm. one of those things that it it kind of came together. But I would say the wage was a really big thing, you know, people massively, massively. And there's still people who got fucked and there's still some people that couldn't get on. And we're by no means perfect. Like it wasn't the most perfect execution of it, but um, yeah, we did. We, you know, we got there. So then where are you guys, are you guys still locked down right now? No, as of today, we're kind of, what's the rules? Like it's, as of today, there's no COVID in our state at all. Um, and the only COVID in Australia is people coming home where they have to stay in a hotel for two weeks before they can. But like you have to wear a mask inside sh- like shop shopping centers and things like that. But apart from that, we're, we're all good. We're all good. 
Yeah, it was only about two weeks ago we started opening up and you could go back out to restaurants and bars are opening, gyms just started opening again. But um, yeah, things are starting to get to, as as our premier likes to call, COVID normal is where we're So then when, at now. when will you guys, will you guys go out on tour at all? Um, um, well, we'd have to make an hour. Yeah, we need to make an hour. Well, yeah, I guess you just did that. You kind of put all your eggs. You 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 spend your time oh. making your show. Yeah, oh, everything, yeah. everything. Everyone's um, like, "Oh, you're gonna do a season two? It's like, "We have nothing." <laughs> Please God, give us one. But we have nothing. <laughs> I, I I think that I think the chances of us touring Australia next year are, are pretty high. Um, when we're not sure, we're also very lucky. We're, uh, we're very blessed, very lucky that because we've been cultivating enough of a fan base where we don't have to fully rely on festivals anymore to be able to tour and, and fill up venues. Like, uh, we usually do do festivals because they're good for us and they're, and, and they're a lot of fun. You can do longer runs and stuff, but, um, we don't have to do that. So when we write our hour and when we go on tour is a little bit up to us and we can sort of wait to see, you know, when things are, things are going at capacity. But there are comedy groups now who are, like, announcing arena tour shows, like, for next year in Australia. Really? Guns N' Roses yeah. just announced an Australian tour next year. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Everyone's going to be fucking coming here because it's one of the only places they can probably fucking come and, and, um, oh, we'll and be pack fighting, people we'll in. Be American comics will be fighting for Australia. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Come over, we'd love to have absolutely you. Absolutely, more than, but yeah, everyone loves it. Yeah, I, if you came down here, I, yeah, you would be, I think, fine, Bert. <laughs> You'd do Warby very well. Embraced, I would argue. Man, I love performing in Australia. It's so funny for me, and this sounds silly, but the dude, the average guy that comes to my show in Australia is absolutely no different than the average guy that comes in <laughs> Omaha or Texas or New York City or at all. They're such a similar yeah. man, is, and, and, and their wives are all look the fucking same. Like they're identical human beings. And it's such a the plaid shirt and a beer, like a beer in one hand, a plaid shirt. <laughs> nice nice hair. You're always like, how did you get that fucking chick? He's like, I put on weight. Don't worry. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, That's great. so good. Well, um, so guys, good. this has been amazing. Thank you so much. I didn't expect it to go this long. I thought we'd do an hour, but you guys, I could talk to you guys forever. When are you guys, so I'm, I'm kind of want to fucking hang out with you guys. Do you guys drink or are you guys all in recovery? We're all in recovery. We're all, <laughs> oh, we're all heavily, recovery. heavily recovered. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we, none of us are like, none of us are crazy drinkers. Mark and I like that. cocktails now. We always get, whenever we're out like with a promoter or anyone, we always order big fancy cocktails. That's it. <laughs> give me a whiskey sour. Give me a cosmopolitan. Give me something fruity and something that's, uh, that's where I've gotten to. I've gotten to the point now where, yeah, I don't care. Judge me as much as you want. I'm going to drink something that's delicious. That's where I've gotten to with my life. Yeah, I'm the same. <laughs> I have no um, no fears of my masculinity being uh, poked at based on my drink order anymore. Let's 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 see where we're at. Well, like hopefully what we have we want to get back into the US and stuff, but also we'll just see where we're at. But we should absolutely hang out sometime. Oh, it'd be so great. I'd love yeah, to do that. I would. I'm, I'm telling you, man. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna push hard to get into Australia. I was. <laughs> No, but we, we, in, uh, we let in Tom Hanks. He just did some hotel quarantine. He's in. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, we, and we have to say this really is on behalf of all of us. Like, thank you so much for having us on. If, if the show gets popular or like breaks out and, and tends to be a thing, it's because of people like you giving us a fucking yeah. chance, man. So like, thank, like from the bottom of our hearts, genuinely, thank you for like just 
you know, I know we haven't met before and that's the first experience you've had of yeah. us. And, you know, so for you to just call us up and let us on the show is huge. Thank oh, you. Oh, no, I absolutely love it, man. I've really enjoyed it. And I, I, I think the cool thing about having a podcast is when people hit you up and I, I can't remember who hit me up, but they were like, it was Michael O'Brien, our producer. Yeah, it would have been Michael. Yeah. Our, our publicist, yeah. sorry. I yeah. wrote back to him, holy fucking shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I was like, I was like, oh, let me check it out. And I, as soon as I watched it, I was like, fuck yes. I was like, dude, this oh, is cool. this is the stuff that when I first started comedy, I didn't understand what comedy was. I didn't understand how you'd write a joke or what why things made you laugh. I was I was I was just turned twenty one, and I and I watched the state, and which I I still find like the same sensibility, the same kind of absurdity, the the like the same kind of um, almost like energy. And I remember watching that, and then going to my English class and writing a sketch. I wrote a sketch. And I laughed to myself. I'd never laughed to my, I never made myself laugh before. <laughs> and I remember giggling and I go, Oh my God, am I crazy? Like, I'm, I, does this sound crazy? like I'm, I'm laughing, but, I, but no one said something. I'm just laughing. And then I was like, dude, I want more of this shit. And, <laughs> and, and I still stand by that sketch. It's That's awesome, man. Sketch. That's cool. <laughs> Thank you so, so much, man. Really appreciate it. Of course, we'll give you a big shout out. Hey, where's where can everyone find you online? I know you got like 300,000 subscribers on your YouTube channel and your YouTube channel is fucking awesome. It's a bunch of sketches from the past. The new show, Antidonna, is on streaming on Netflix right now. Where, where should everyone go to find you? I reckon YouTube's the place to go. Like Definitely. that's a good starting point. I'd say YouTube and then we're, we're on everything else. I reckon if you go, if you search Auntie Donna and then the, like the platform, you'll find it. But YouTube is a really good starting point. And Netflix, actually, we built it to be an introduction. So those two places. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. 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 Congratulations. <laughs> it's a fantastic series. I hope to see a season two. I hope to get to party with you in Australia. And I'm telling Fuck you, yeah, this is my fa- this is my favorite shirtless podcast I've ever done. Oh, great. <laughs> Thank you so thanks, much, Bert. mate. And thanks, Houston. Thank Alston. you so much, man. Thank much you. Much love, guys. Stay safe, Thank okay? You, yeah, you too. Bye. 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 This episode was brought to you by The Machine.